I'm Jim Carlson and live from the Gallup Studios here in Omaha, Nebraska. This is Gallup's Called the Coach, recorded on July 11th, 2018. On this special edition of Called the Coach, we'll spend time investigating the experience, emotion, and empirical aspects of each element of Gallup's Q12 engagement instrument, and to know how to increase the power of our coaching as a primary driver of success. If you have questions during this webcast, we do have a live chat room that's available for you actually today. We're in two chat rooms, but uh, and you're not listening on the live page, but typically we have chat available for you. You can log in if you find the Chatwing account and you want to log in, you can do that as well. We're using the Google chat uh, as well today. Either one will work. Bottom left-hand corner, log in, choose the guest account, put your name in, hit submit, ask your questions live while we're doing this. If you're listening to the recorded version or have questions about custom strengths, coaching solutions, you can send us an email, coaching at gallop.com. Actually, that's good for any question that you have, or use the contact form right there on the live page. Although that contact, I may have to change that, Mike, that contact form might be gone. Don't forget to visit the Gallup Strength Center, just gallupstrengthcenter.com for all your Clifton Strengths coaching resources and training needs. You can also catch this video in download, downloadable or streaming audio. We call that podcasting. It's available for you off of our redesigned resources page. Head over there, coaching.gallup.com. Mike McDonald is our host today. He works as a senior workplace consultant here at Gallup on the Riverfront. Mike, always great to see you. Welcome back to Call the Coach. Yeah, Jim. It's been a whole week. A whole I know. Week we skipped we last week, right? Do this. Yeah, we did. We did. Oh, I noticed it, too. Yeah, it's it's funny how you get in a rhythm with these. And, yeah. and is, it was a 4th of July weekend here, or 4th of July week here in the United States. And we skipped it. I really kind of miss it. So I'm glad you're back. We're talking Q3 today. Um, let's Let's dig in a little bit with that and get started on... What's the question? And, and give us a little overview on it as well. Absolutely. So uh, question number three of our engagement uh, journey um, is one that I think is really near and dear to this audience's heart, right? So the, the question itself is, at work, I have the opportunity to do what I do best every day. And so you can hear in the language already, right? The strengths, overtones, and contribution that's represented in that item. And, and we won't mistake the parallels between what we all know in our coaching ability as strengths coaches um, and leveraging strengths towards performance, but what also is represented by this item um, as we leverage and target it towards performance as well. And so there's a, there's a lot of overlap and paralleled features that I think this audience will find really familiar, Jim, as we go through this. Um, but as we get into it, we just wanna make sure that we are referencing the integration of the resources that we've really um, tried to um, bring to bear as we go through our discussion together. And so I'd be remiss if I didn't at least bring us back to, to um, some of those points of reference around our first Break All the Rules book, uh, the seminal, study of engagement and the 12 elements that we're discussing right now and the particular features around the strengths code that's contained within that book and a Q12 code contained within that book. And we're hearing all sorts of stories already about coaches who are really activating their use of that book and the codes within it um, to expand their coaching and consulting packages. So um, that, that's that's great momentum and exactly um, part, of the mo part of the motivation that Jim and I had when we really started the series is to really help this particular audience put these resources to work. Um, some of the other things that I'll be referencing and, and drawing from is uh, another book, uh, it's 12, The Elements of Great Managing. Uh, I'll also bring into, into focus some of our current reports, our State of the American Workplace Report. I'll have some references to that, along with our Millennial Report and then our Reengineering Performance Management Report. And really the whole reason why we're bringing these resources together is, is to add power to our coaching and consulting in a way 
that we can get our clients that much closer to performance. Every single one of these resources, uh, and, and again, one of the primary motivations is that we can create a call to action and create windows of opportunity and perspective that really push our clients into um, application, action, and driving outcomes and performance. And so we really hope to put that uh, up in front of all of us so that, that we can we can understand it, but we can actually coach through the performance orientation of, of so many particular uh, managers and leaders who are leading teams. And so we want to make sure we hit the mark there. So yeah, Jim, did you have a reaction? Let me just say, Mike, as we think, as we dig into this a little bit, you know, engagement is the, really the financial driver uh, in an organization. If it's high engagement, uh, typically the financial pieces are going well. If it's low engagement, yeah, yeah. they're not, right? And oftentimes strengths becomes that, becomes a tool in the engagement question of, how, of what are we doing and how are we driving this? In Q3 for me, um, and for a lot of our coaches is a is a great entry point into strengths in the engagement cycle. Mm -hmm. And uh, just, and again, just a reminder, uh, we're just talking about this today, just a reminder, this assessment tool is available at the Gallup Strengths, or I'm sorry, at the Business Center. So q12.gallup.com mm -hmm. if you want to go and take a peek at that. $15 a seat uh, per administration of, 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 the, of the assessment that you're doing it. A great way to get introduced to Mike was talking through the book. But Mike, I've, I've heard coaches use Q3 as the entry point for, for strengths. And I think we're going to prove that out today is we think, how do these strengths and engagements go together? Many of many folks are strengths champions, but they're kind of wondering how to tie this in. I think we have a, we've got a good case study and we'll kind of walk that through. When I think about what I do best every day, that just screams strengths. Yeah. So let's spend a little time digging into that. Yeah, it really does. I, I I completely agree. This really is the doorway as we get into strengths, and particularly, I would say, Jim, even coaching. Uh, this is really where you start to, um, I think, integrate the previous items. Question one, I know what my expectations are. Question two, do I have the materials and equipment I need? And start to convert that now into performance all around a call to action around what is it then that I do best. And I think that really polarizes those preceding items into this, this real coaching opportunity. And so it really pushes it to that coaching forefront. And so, Jim, one of the things I, I thought was important for us to translate or transition from our previous conversations is that I think there's a, an opportunity um, for strengths working through engagement and the previous two items of engagement um, to represent expectations. Hey, expectations can be, you know what, we expect, we know you have abilities part of the expectation is, is that we are going to continue to explore and leverage and put those abilities to use. Um, so there's a value statement made there. The second, um, when we think about materials and equipment, part of the materials and equipment that we have is our own genetic predisposition towards excellence. And how do we activate that? And what's the awareness we have around what those abilities are and what's our, our best and our boundaries about those abilities? Um, and how clear are we uh, all as they roll into that connection point of, of my ability to do what I do best. And I, and I think it's important when we think about those two preceding items to think very literally about the language of this third item and really break this down because it represents a ton. Literally walk this out in your own minds and experience. Think about this. At work, I have the opportunity to do what I do, and I'm going to pause here for emphasis, best every day. And so just think about the delineation that occurs around those extremes and the language that's used best and every day. So right there, there's a statement, non-compromise, no concession. When we're coaching managers, leaders, as they're coaching their teams, 
that call to action around best and every day can't be missed, right? So we're not talking about what I do pretty well and a lot, it's best every day. And so I really wanna hyper accentuate the language there because predominantly from a research standpoint, there's your separation, right? High performing teams can rate that item differently and do rate it differently than low performing teams. And so we see a wedge or a chasm that's created between those two, those two um, work groups and their ability to rate that particular question. Powerful questions, powerful outcomes and results. And so we really wanna drive that wedge. And I think, our, I think that changes and shifts our coaching um, to managers and I think how they coach and lead their teams as well. Mike, so I, this, I want to make sure we really, really yeah, emphasize. No, yeah, right Jim. On. And I think for our, I, we get a lot of questions on this, the extremeness of some of these questions, best friend uh, at work, in this case, best every day, right? Um, what I get to do best every day. The um, Can you talk or would you address that a little bit? Because the first two questions in this are pretty generic. Materials and equipment, I know it's expected of me. Those are not extreme in the sense of the language in it. But this really begins in the next series of questions. The language is going to get a little more extreme. Can you talk why from a data standpoint that's so important that mm -hmm. it's just not a wishy-washy, you know, a friend or whatever? Can you, can, would you just in a minute talk why that's so important? Absolutely. So the, the, the spirit of the item really is a request to know me to know me. And we're really not doing very well um, in answering that question um, and that request. There's about four in 10 who can strongly agree in the United States uh, with that particular item. But when we do it well, there's so much performance potential that's unpacked within it. When we do it well, um, we see profound impact in terms of customer engagement and profitability. Um, we even see better safety, right? When, when I know um, and have the opportunity to do what I do best every single day, I have more peripheral, peripheral engagement awareness about what's going on around me. I'm just better um, in my involvement with customers. I'm better in my involvement with others in a way that causes me to be more mindful about are they in harm's way or are they safe? And um, so I just have more availability in the moment when I'm in that slipstream of my own talent. Uh, we see big statements, and, and a lot of you are familiar with this, we see really powerful statements about what happens around that item and strengths, that a focus on strengths, right, increases our likelihood to be engaged by six times. Uh, it increases our quality of life or our likelihood to be satisfied with life. Um, it triples that number. And so really powerful statements there to, to be able to say that wrapped around that one item is a better job and not just a better job, but a better life. Um, that's a big statement. And there's a lot there for us to, to pay attention to. Yeah. We've, and and to ahead. your, to your point though, I want to say, you know, we drive a wedge in this, in this particular question and some others that are coming, we, we drive a wedge of extremeness because if, if we don't ask this question in a way of best every day, the data that we get back is not as good, right? We've tested all these questions thousands or hundreds of thousands of times and, mm -hmm in getting this extremeness. So if you're asking that question, man, why are these questions so extreme sometimes? And in feedback sessions, they often create people get, people kind of go sideways on them. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and help the people. This is your job as a coach is to help them understand the reason the extremeness in the question actually leads to its value. Yeah. It helps us sort. If we can't sort the data, if everybody's going to give it a five, that day, that question means nothing. We need people able to give it a one or give it a two or three, four or five, right? Yeah. It needs to sort. And the extremeness in the questions allows those to sort. Mike, it's a question I get from the coaches all the time. Sometimes they hate using these questions because <laughs> like, I get nothing but negative feedback when yeah. we're doing the feedback sessions. You have to coach them. It's 
it helps us get better data on them. And if I can't do what I do best every day and I give it out a three, that's meaningful, right? right As opposed right. to just everybody answering five. Right. Jim, I love that point. And I think that's, you know, one of the notes that I had down that I think this item represents so well for all 12 is the fact um, that th that engagement really is about, uh, it's about a progress and not necessarily overnight perfection. And I think when you talk about the conversation and to your point about how frustrating the tension between best and every day can be, uh, yes, that's a challenging and daunting um, point in time for us to arrive at if we think we're going to do it tomorrow. Um, but when we manage expectations and we involve our coaching in the right way, we find success over the ability to manage expectations, but also progress and market and engage it as we continue to always look for opportunities to expand that window and close the window where we aren't in alignment with what we do best. But um, yeah, there's a lot of sanity, quite frankly, that can be preserved if we really manage that conversation well and do it right. But the fact is we can't, we can't skirt or compromise around that item and what it represents. We have to go directly at it best and every day. And the extremeness is your friend, not your enemy. It is. It is. And exactly. so from a data science standpoint, as you're, and actually in your coaching, I think you, you want to ask the extreme questions because it allows you, again, it allows you to sort the answers. Yeah. Otherwise, you're not really getting to the truth. How do you yeah. feel today? It doesn't get you really anywhere in, in, a, in a lot of in a lot of ways. Okay. We've got a little case study we want to get to. We got a lot of material, so I better stop gabbing and let you <laughs> do it to it. Let's dig in a little bit from, I, I'm assuming this came from 12. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Great, great uh, conversation though, Jim. I think you're hitting all the right, the, all the right notes on this. And one of the things I really do want to, um, as we go through the metrics, there's one I really want to center on and I think um, is useful for us in our capacity as coaches. But, but when we get right down to it, opportunity to do what I do best day very clearly dictates whether I'm going to stay at this organization or if I'm going to leave this organization. Right now in our state of the workplace report, 51% of the workplace is actively looking for another job. So if you're sitting next to somebody, you should probably give them a sideways glance and just start to wonder, are they going to stick around, right? Um, it's a very challenging number to think about. Uh, and if we think about our own current millennial workforce as they grow into where 70% of that group will be um, occupying the workplace here in 2020, um, they only plan to be with their company one year from now. And what we know is about, it, we, we know the best friend, or we know that opportunity to do best every day is a driver of that decision point. Do I stay or do I leave? In fact, uh, it's the number one factor in terms of my pursuit of another job. It's the number one thing that I'm looking for. And we see that in our research. And it's one of the top five reasons why people are actually leaving. So we just can't miss the mark. People are deciding to leave or stay their organ, leave their organization or stay with their organization all wrapped around that one item. Um, and, and there's one, there's a great example, Jim, that as I was thinking back through just um, some of the many that we've had living and breathing in our, in our own organization and, and um, that we've had the ability to come in contact with through so many stories from so many coaches. And we have a, we have a great manager uh, here at Gallup. His name's Brett. Okay. Uh, and Brett's primary focus in his role is on engagement, uh, particularly within the onboarding of new associates. And Brett specifically works within our call center associates and our renowned Gallup poll and, and all of the quality data that we collect and research um, that, that's provided that way. And so we had, a, we had an associate, um, this is back in the mid-90s, Jim, uh, came to us from um, a very non-traditional transition. He was actually uh, a construction worker. 
And um, because of some physical challenges and some on-site injuries, he was um, looking for a career change. And so he had applied for our, uh, to be an interviewer in one of our call centers. And so we selected him strictly based off talent. He had, you know, we, we didn't care as much about and don't care as much about the skills knowledge component that he brought to the table, but we knew he had the talent and that ability to do something that most people can't do uh, when he's interacting with people over the phone. So Denny comes in, starts his job and Brett's, Brett's with him. He's coaching him and he sees profound talent profound strength in his ability, uh, not a strength yet, I guess I should qualify that, but profound talent in his ability to convert people who don't understand market research to who would ordinarily say no, who might find their participation, either one where they don't feel they're qualified to have an opinion, or maybe it's an inconvenience. They don't sense the power in that opinion and what it represents. But Denny was so amazing when he could figure out the technology. And so we have some technology around our calls, similar to every other call center where you have to know how to operate a keyboard and um, uh, some dialing functionality and enter answers and, and code things appropriately. And so there is some skills knowledge wrapped around that talent to really produce a strength in that particular role. Danny uh, struggled mightily. He had no background whatsoever with a computer and, and it was very frustrating for him. So Brett would literally sit next to him and coach him, uh, revealing to him where he was at his best and how he could be amazing every single day, not by accident, but if they just got this technology piece figured out. Well, this is Denny telling me the story. As the, as the story unfolds, uh, Denny actually had reached a point where uh, he had made the decision he wasn't gonna stay at Gallup anymore. And so uh, he just felt he tried his best and thought really highly of Brett, but he, he, was, he, he knew that the next day he was gonna come in and, and tender his resignation. So he goes home and he had he had one of these coaching sheets from Brett in his back pocket of his jeans. And in this coaching sheet, it talked about Brett's clarity about where Denny was so amazing, where he had the potential to be the best that he could be. Maybe that Brett had ever seen in that role just to have patience and that the, the knowledge and skills portions would would slowly arrive and, and then there would be success. So but Denny had made up his mind. And so anyway, he changed clothes and his wife was doing the laundry that evening and she cleans out his pockets and she pulls this note out and she's looking at the detail about the, the identification of where Denny is so spectacular. And she reads through it and she comes out and she's like, Hey, are you sure you really want to, are you sure you really want to quit? Um, and he's like, and Denny was like, yeah, he goes, I, I, I love the place. I, I, I love my manager, but I can't quite crack the code on this particular role. And I don't know if I have enough bandwidth in terms of my earning potential to really wait a, a lot longer. And she goes, well, I'm just reading through this, this note. And she goes, I just don't know if you're going to get this kind of feedback, this kind of insight into who you are, what you can do anywhere else. She's like, you know what, why don't you give it a try? I think we've got a little more margin to, to, to give this a shot. And I think it's worth it. So the story unfolds, Denny goes back. And as you can all start to anticipate and predict, Denny goes on to have one of the most legendary careers we've ever seen. Uh, at Gallup in that particular role. He ends up being um, a top 10 producer multiple times throughout his career at Gallup. Uh, he was the location MVP uh, for a year um, in his career. He won multiple interviewer of the month awards and really set a tone for what best practice looks like, not just in that role, but in terms of his contribution to the entire culture of that location, which was at sometimes was close to 300 people. Um, so Jim, to me, when I bring, when I think about the qualitative emotional expression, of uh, that one item, if we think about Brett's involvement and his insistence on 
Danny's ability to experience what he does best every day, that 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 shifted a value statement around a human being um, where Gallup won decisively, our clients won decisively, and Danny's life and career won decisively as a result around that one particular item and vocal piece uh, that are represented. How, Mike, how much did the manager play the role in that, the direction of that? I mean, because I think we, we struggle if, if we have coaches working with managers and sometimes they feel their hands are tied in being able to make those kinds of decisions. I tell people about my own path here at Gallup that started as a IT manager and then moved into recruiting and then we started the webcast, you know, infrastructure, empire, whatever you want to call it. And um, that has been one that where I had a manager who was willing to let me try. And in this story that you just said here, it's it wouldn't have happened if if the permission had not been given to that individual to try, let's try something new. Or the manager's paying attention enough to say, well, we may have misplaced or this yeah. this we're not taking advantage of all the talent we have here. How much of the responsibility is on the manager? Yeah, a, a tremendous amount. In fact, in Brett's role, it was it was specific and expected that that would that that story shouldn't be unique for what Brett was expected to do in his role. We know that it, at that tenure, those early stages of our um, tenure within an organization, there are certain questions and answers, right, that, that we experience and need to have addressed quickly um, and decisively. And so Brett literally was able to look at Denny through that lens of question number three and and answer that powerfully um, and again directly and definitively for Denny in a way where it carried over and cascaded um, into his return, right? Into us keeping him versus losing him. And I think what's really interesting about that, Jim, and particularly with this item and the non-compromised stance that it has this, and, and you all know this as coaches, but sometimes we as coaches or as managers as coaches, we see the potential of that person's best before they do, right? And so we get we get there ahead of them. Brett got there ahead of Denny. And it's how do we fill in that gap through our coaching and the expectation around it to draw that person up to where they live that out uh, in its fullest expression. You're, um, I'm going to go off script a little bit here because yeah, I think it. it's a good spot to do this. But so I'm a coach and I'm I'm coaching a manager of a team. And I've taken the Q12 assessment and I, I come back with a lower, with a, a, th a two or a three point mm -hmm. something, right? Where obviously there needs to be some questions asked. And by the way, the goal of the Q12 is not to have all fives. Right. Like, that doesn't right. actually tell you much. Right. If, if you go, again, those extremes, if you go in and do an assessment and everybody pencil whips the thing, you, you're, you're, that doesn't get you much, right? You right. want the truth back. So let's just say you have some opportunities in there. As a coach, Mike, man, coaching this manager, or maybe you're the manager and you're coaching yourself, mm. what are some things as we think about being able to address this question? How do we start to make that mind shift a little bit? And yeah. start saying, what, what, are, what are things, some things we can do to begin to change that so so scores could move yeah absolutely you know the first it's, it's so foundational jim it's 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 if we can't stand on the discussion around this item and the integration of this item into goals and application uh then our whole approach towards additional layers of engagement is going to be compromised foundationally and i want to draw in one of our one of our recent reports and it was a it was a really strong takeaway in discovery but uh in our re-engineering performance management report i've referenced this before but we we identified five conversations that really are necessary to represent what's what's necessary what's meaningful um, personally and performance wise for an individual to grow throughout the course of a year and the first conversation that we identified is is one that's really um, 
foundational to question number three, do best every day. And, and the, the description of this conversation is role and relationship orientation. And in this conversation, it really is about accountability um, and expectations and continually coaching, but particularly about setting expectations. But part of that conversation about expectations, while it does reference uh, expectations in item one and materials and equipment in item two, it gets into a uh, an exchange between the manager or the coach and that person in terms of, so what do we expect of each other? What are the talents and abilities that we each have? Do we identify them? What's our claim around them? But as a result, what's the performance accountability around our possession of those abilities and our partnership with each other? And are we really crystal clear about that foundation and that expectation that we have with each other in that exchange? And if we are, and if we insist on best every day, well, now it changes and shifts and transforms what those goals and that progress should look like moving forward from there. But we have that confidence and clarity and we've had that space and time to really share where where do we have that claim, um, but also a performance validation to it as well. And I think that's another uh, thing that's very central to our coaching is sometimes, right, we've all seen this, a person may overclaim what they think they do best and the frequency about which they deliver on it. And so that performance piece really helps calibrate or validate or provide the evidence of, is this statement true? Do I, am I really able to back up what I think I do best every day? Um, or is our coaching necessary in that conversation about role and relationship orientation um, to, maybe, to maybe amend it a little bit, uh, maybe to explore it and validate it a little bit more, or maybe to quite frankly, take it a different direction and to find that, that claim left wanting. Like you're having that performance conversation and hopefully you've got your, you know, you've got all 34 in front of you to have that conversation, right? What, how do you, how, how are you, or how do we recommend, I mean, how do we bring that, those, those themes in when we think about the power of those and combine that together with performance to, to really put sunlight on that person, if maybe they've known them from the, in the past or they just got them in their hands. Mm. Can you talk a little bit about how do we help them? Through, the, through that lens and begin to see it through in light of performance? It's a great question, Jamie. You know, one of the things, um, and again, I'm gonna reference another uh, of our resources, but in, in 12, the Elements of Great Managing book, there was a really great takeaway uh, in, the, in the case study from item number three, and it was with a, a team from Stryker who really assembled themselves around a, a keystone project that was vital to the success of that organization. And there is a, a, a great quote, as, as you guys all accumulate quotes that really validate each of these items, um, from their team leader. And he, one of his big takeaways as his team really oriented themselves around this item and its translation to success and performance, uh, he said one of his big dis biggest discoveries is that when he asked people about to talk about what they do best, they rarely responded in a framework or a discussion in terms of the job description. And I think just asking, um, asking people or giving them permission to, to just kind of free their mind from, from a specific job duty or role or job description and just literally intuitively and uh, naturally react to just, just start wordsmithing or, or through word association, tell me what it is you think you do best and don't restrict it to your specific role, Jim, um, as a recruiter, as a, as an intern manager lead, as an IT lead, as a technologist, a podcaster, don't, don't restrict it to that. Just tell me about 
about yourself and what it is you think you do best. And then that, that, that's really the mouth of the funnel. And then as we create those discoveries, then we have the creative bandwidth in that conversation where we can start to draw it in and target it towards performance. So there was many, many times, um, and I see a lot of organizations creatively do this, whereas they build out certification programs um, or learning and development programs, they'll integrate lots of features and contributions and abilities that people within the organization have that they um, actually have as hobbies or pastimes that they can bring in and help introduce and, and bring to a culture that really strengthens it and makes it something more powerful and important and meaningful than simply fulfilling that job description. Mm -hmm. um, and I've seen people, I've seen it everywhere from, uh, gosh, there's a lot of organizations, you know, that have a lot of events. And so they like to capture those events, capture the moments, and they like to have an ongoing almost uh, album, right? Or a, a high school annual type of um, uh, feel to it. And, and, and what better way than to just ask somebody if they like to or somebody who's volunteered that they like to take pictures, but they don't really know where that fits in their role specifically at Gallup um, or another organization and to bring them into some opportunities when there are some social events. So Jim, you were talking earlier about having a, a, Q12, a Q10 um, a best friend at work happy hour, right? Well, if that's a big social event and people are milling around, there's lots of selfies, there's lots of group pictures and what better way for somebody to involve their talents and what they think they do best in an integrated way to a role that really contributes and rolls up to that, that yeah. culture. And what a good way to start actually some of those, the exploration of those by putting them in roles where success has, is, is, um, has a safety net. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you're, if you're taking mm -hmm. pictures at a happy hour to share on the internet, that, uh, that, that, that's not so critical. If you're having that person all of a sudden show up on site for a customer and you're taking pictures, Right. And right, I mean, it, it's some good opportunities. I would say too, Mike, that this process is as, as important for the manager it is for his for his or her staff. Yeah, we think about you know this just doesn't go downstream. I think managers of managers need to spend some time. We have a we have several, and I'm I get to be a part of a couple different management teams, which is really kind of cool. I dot I I have a dotted line into a few of them, and so I see how they operate in each in each one of those teams. The managers have specialties. Yeah. And I was just spending some, we were spending some time, you and I and the, and the team yesterday were spending some time. And I was talking with, right before our state of, you know, state of the company, I was spending time with a manager who I am totally opposite from. And we were just sharing. I was like, thank God yeah. you do yeah. these things. Because if I yeah. did your job, it would absolutely implode. Like yeah. the job would implode. So I think it's as important that we get to the managers as well. Mike, one more thing I'll say. Um, we have a tool called an Individual Development Plan, IDP. Mm. It's in the coaching kit. You have it. If you've never used it, you're making a mistake. Yeah. It is probably one of our best tools to help people work through. You were talking about performance. So in, the, in it is a goal or a performance goal. What do we want to get to, right? What's yeah. the goal? And then you take your themes and you start dissecting those themes and bringing it through the goal to create action plans. I think it's a really good way when you're sitting down during a performance review or any time, right? It doesn't have to be that annual, which you shouldn't be doing, but the, the, when, when you have a new performance goal for whatever, sit down and work through that through the lens of the themes. They're right there for you, right? It leads you through that discussion. You can teach a manager to do that. You can do that yourself. I think that's one of our best Q3 tools that we have. I do it all the time. I have, hundreds of copies of those in my office because I use them all the time when we go out and teach in the university setting. So there's a great tool for you as well as a coach. Yeah. Any other thoughts on that, Mike? 
Well, I just, I'm just laughing at the range of that tool. I've done, I, uh, I've actually had that conversation with my daughter when she was a freshman in high school and she wanted to make the varsity volleyball team. And we literally walked through her top five strengths through that individual development plan and helped her put together a, uh, an approach that beyond her physical abilities helped draw in her strengths, her top five strengths in a way that she could contribute and give it her best shot to make varsity all the way up gym to where, you know, right. We're sitting down there's CEOs and every other member of an organization is walking through that conversation and helping figure out around the flashpoint of do best. How do I integrate my strengths in a creative way uh, to deliver it? What that best looks like mm -hmm. every day in a way that's unique and powerful and important to me. Super fun this summer. Our interns self-organized. Um, we spent a whole bunch of time up front talking about what they're good at, what what they're you know they're best at, their con what they can contribute. And the first week or two were a little rocky uh, okay. as they were just trying to. Can I do this? Did I know I could do this? They tried. Everybody tried a few things out. And by week three, they'd really self-organized into a really, really powerful team of everyone knowing kind of their place. And then they were able to activate. And we've mm -hmm. gotten three or four really good weeks of productivity out of them. All of them getting a chance to have an input on, you know, I had static things that needed to get done. Like this was not like you get to do whatever you want, right? <laughs> this is, we definitely had some things we were pointing them towards, but they got a chance to really lock into those projects where they really felt they were the best. Yeah. So I think it's a great opportunity. And yeah, people can say, well, those are interns. You can do that pretty easy. Actually, it's a really hard space. Mm -hmm. These are 14, 15, or 16, 17 and 18 year olds who don't know. Right. And, yeah. and we were, guess what? I used day one IDP. We worked them through their goal was, and let's start working it through, you know, those pieces. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, one thing's going back is it, it, this whole process piece around this item and in, you know, I talked about the role in relationship orientation, but, but I also talked earlier, um, in one of our earlier series about, um, one of our earlier sessions around, um, the proverbial quick connect Jim. you know, that water cooler conversation, uh, where it's the five to 10 minute check in, uh, quick connect where, um, maybe daily or weekly, I'm, I'm asking my team how things are going. Right. And so much, I think around the, the process part of what I do best is about breaking through barriers right? Having, having a frequency of conversation around what's getting in the way of success. And by default, you're actually then creating margin and positioning for what that person really is capable of doing at their best. So there is two sides of that coin. Uh, I think role and relationship orientation does get us to that, that um, foundation of what I do best and how do I claim that and activate on it. But I do love the, the defense, right? The defensive side of those conversations where just by default of me getting things out of your way, Jim, um, helps just organically create space for you to then involve yourself where you do by choice, uh, get the chance to do what you do best and increase that frequency to every day. Mike, we also see, I think, a byproduct when people are working in that, uh, space where they're getting to do what they do best every day. It also changes their outward appearance about how they feel about the company, right? Yeah. I mean, all of, a, all of a sudden we begin to see a different public dialogue. Can you yeah. talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that's, it might be my favorite part of this entire, uh, what this item represents, Jim. So our research tells us that when 90% of a team knows their strengths and that's specific to strengths finder and, um, and 90% of that team knows their strengths, we, we see a significant increase, um, in the measurement of the grand mean, that overall mean score representing all of the 12 items combined for that team. Um, and there's a shift, right? So when, when, when that item 
in an approach towards strengths of what people do best and an insistence on that every day, it shifts that culture uh, up decisively to one that promotes and produces engagement. And I think about this a lot and I've seen it visually. I've felt it um, emotionally and experientially with teams I've been on and clients that we've worked with, Jim, where when when a team has that that experience where they know what their strengths are and the conversations are connected by um, not just a manager as a catalyst and a guide in the ignition to really driving what I do best and the opportunity to do that every day. But now think about that, Jim, in terms of the normalization of we've all had that conversation with our managers, but guess what it does? It shifts and shapes the conversations we with where we have that with each other as peers. And so then you start to see a cultural foothold at another level start to really dig in and just think, Jim, about how you just shared a conversation that you had with somebody who is completely different than you. And you celebrated that moment and completely appreciate who they are and were thankful as a result that they were different because that means you don't have to do that thing that's outside of your sweet spot. And quite frankly, they love it because it's in theirs. So now, and, and here's what I see so often, and it is so redeeming when, when, you, when you do. Um, you see a culture at the team and organizational level shift from a zero-sum culture where Jim, in order for you to have those abilities um, and me lacking the knowledge or the accountability around doing what I do best um, and having the opportunity to do that every day. Uh, now you, that means it's easy for me to translate that very transactionally that, that that means if you're having, if you have that, that means I don't in that exchange. And when we get this right, when we have strengths alive and present and we have this language around do best and every day, very active and alive, um, it's an abundance mentality, but there's too much, there's too much goodness and greatness for all of us to catch up to. And now we start to combine and join forces and really bind ourselves together in the pursuit of that collectively and not just individually. And that's where you really see the power of those outcomes that we talked about earlier uh, with our empirical data really accumulate, arrive and start to separate the best organizations from those that are going to struggle and suffer. I think this is a great time to transition a little bit to weaknesses because, you know, it's it's easy to talk about the positive and when this works great and we get excited about that. But a lot of teams are are suffering in dysfunction, right? And there are yeah. some areas where with if this isn't working right, um, you know, we've got to address. So what happens? What's the coaching? What What needs to change when you have someone misplaced? You've inherited someone that's been put in a system that isn't best for them. You're starting to see they got some talent and skills in other areas where they might need to transition off this team onto another team or sometimes out of the organization. Yeah. Talk. Let's talk a little bit about that because I think some good advice and some good tools yeah. in there to start thinking through on that. Yeah. Well, I think that, gosh, I, I don't know if there's a more important question that you could ask Jim than that one because, uh, right, we've talked a lot, a lot, we've talked about a lot of blue sky and uh, sunshiny days with bluebirds sitting on our shoulders um, about when this question is right and how we can use it and, and there's a happy ending, right? Um, and sometimes there's um, a little bit longer trail and a lot more effort around weaknesses or where things aren't clicking to get to that happy ending. And um, I think that's where the coaching is so important and so priority as we coach directly ourselves and coach through managers and team leaders. And so what I've always appreciated about this item uh, and what it really insists on is that we should we can't compromise on behalf of the people that we lead. We just can't. And this conversation helps us be accountable as team leaders, but also help that person be accountable to themselves and what their life deserves, what their career 
deserves. And we just can't concede on that. So the, the, conver the conversation around this item really, when, when somebody is struggling or suffering in their performance and, and this conversation comes to life in its pursuit of how do we explore and, and, and find that, sometimes it does uh, bring in a, a broad perspective about this specific job just isn't right. It's, it's okay. Not every organization, no organization selects perfectly. No organization hits a home run with every swing. Um, and that's part of the, the, the individual and that's part of the organization. And that's just the reality. But what this conversation does is gives us so much integrity about the process of discovery and what's right for that person, either within their role or in the pursuit of another one within the organization. Or Jim, sometimes it's another role with another organization other than the one that they're at right now. And as uncomfortable and, um, you know, as, as difficult as that conversation can be, the integrity that we can have now and the redemption and the, the, um, and what's right about that conversation is, is so different. And I've experienced it personally. It's so different in what's represented in that discussion. And that person feels it as well too. I've seen, I've seen it when that conversation has produced the right uh, process and experience, and that person has landed where they belong, whether that's outside of the organization they're in or outside of a role they're in, but yet still within that same organization, it transforms that entire exchange because there's trust, uh, there's belief, there's relationship now that's been created in the midst of that. And I've, it, we've, we've heard testimonies of people where that conversation did mean by choice or by mutual agreement, they didn't work at that company anymore, and yet they couldn't be more grateful they couldn't be more fulfilled as a result of what was what was produced around that. And so um, that's reality. But guess what? We can even do that right now because we have a framework around this item and our belief and strengths and knowing what's right for what that person's life deserves. I think the other the flip side around that and I'll and I'll kind of wrap this commentary, Jim, is there's always an audience as well. Right. And I think about this, that the integrity around that conversation doesn't happen in a silo. And so the person that's involved, you know, they're sharing things with other people and that's great and that's fine. Uh, but there's, there's always a, there's always a residual ripple effect, right? In how we have these conversations as team leaders with the people on our teams and when things are going well or not so well, but there's always an audience. And I think there's such a cultural effect about how we deliver what's right for that person through our coaching, particularly around our insistence of best and every day. So um, it just it just matters in every facet. But I'm I'm really personally thankful as a team leader for what what opportunity this item represents. And I encourage all of us to really activate around it as we think about weaknesses and in your own coaching acumen, um, working with other team leaders. Mike, our manager yesterday, we share you and I share a, a manager together, yeah. said in a meeting we were having, great courage in management doesn't come in making the big decisions. It's mm -hmm. actually the small ones that have to be made day in and day out that are difficult, right? Yeah. And so oftentimes we think of those in this weaknesses area. We think of that manager sitting that person down and having this big, you know, this big conversation like get right or get left, right? And in that, while we think from a manager perspective, that takes great courage, and it does. It's a, as when we're coaching managers or we're managers ourselves, I think the real learning opportunity is in the day in, day out performance questions that we're talking about, right? It's the small, it's correcting these things in the moment mm -hmm. that take a little course correction that might be uncomfortable in that day, but it's being consistent. I'm, this is the hardest part. It's being consistent yeah. in those little decisions, right? Yeah. That have to be made and the great courage 
the great coaching for that courage needs to come in these daily decisions, right? You want to, can you respond to that a little bit? I, I would love to. Uh, one of the things that I've um, learned experientially in, in our, again, re-engineering performance management research really um, demonstrated is, and I'll just give you a little bit of a bumper sticker tagline that I've tried to, to lead by and I think is representative of what our research would tell us, um, but frequency reduces fear. Frequency reduces fear. I think I've mentioned that already, but if I haven't, I should have in some of our previous sessions. But I think about when you think about the power of those right conversations targeted towards a specific item of engagement, targeted towards uh, a belief in best, a belief in strengths, um, and we have frequent conversations around that, Jim, it puts us upstream and we're proactive and we can create that courage and have those those strong necessary conversations those course corrective conversations with so much more success than if we come at those from behind right where we've been where we've missed the frequency of those conversations and now they're an event right so um now instead of a daily or a weekly touch point it's one that i have that year and it's an hour and i'm scared to death because i have not really sure what's going to happen in the midst of that discussion, lots of things that happened throughout the course of the year, but we haven't talked about any of them. And so now I have 60 minutes to wonder about the fate of my career and my job. Um, but if we have more frequency around those, and it's a simple formula, more frequency reduces fear. And so Jim, it just, it completely transforms our ability to have those right conversations with integrity or for it to be uh, a real crisis, you know, a real tragedy in what's represented. And again, that audience sees that and experiences it. It's uh, the ripple effect is in, it, it, it's equally as intense, but it's either positive or negative um, in, in the effect that it's creating on that individual and the, the audience around them. In, in the space that I'm in, working with the coaches day in and day out, you know, 24-7, 365, I, I see this dilemma of uh, working with an entire team. In other words, doing strengths across an entire team or if I just work with the manager. Mm -hmm. And Mike, I think we know from our research that the manager has the greatest amount of impact on a team. Even the team knowing their themes and their strengths and working well together, if that manager is off balance, if that manager's not working in his sweet spot, doing what he's or she is best at every single day, um, I, there's problems. And I think yeah. when we think about coaching and impact, you want to make the most impact in an organization. Oftentimes, target the managers, right? Yeah. Go after them hard and fast. And I know it's fun to do group strength sessions and all that stuff's great. And if you get a chance to do it, awesome. If you really, if you're, if you get one shot and you want to make impact, go for the managers, yeah. right? I mean, that is, that's just a spot. Steve asked a question around that in the chat room and then we'll kind of conclude. He says, um, uh, that's, he kind of agrees with it, but he's kind of asking what are best practices to help those managers? Um, and how long is this, if, you, you have a new manager and you start digging into this. When we think of best practices and duration, Mike, what's best practice? I know it depends, right, on, on everything. But what what are we seeing and what do you see sometimes in this and being able to make an impact? Yeah, I I think I've mentioned this, but I, I think there's a, pr a pruning process that's really necessary for particularly team leaders. Uh, there's so much reactive um administrative tasks and efforts that, that are always threatening to invade the priority of their day, which is the people that they're expected to lead, right? That developmental approach and aspect that they're, they're really expected to occupy that space as a leader and take their teams forward futuristically as a result um, through the margin that's created and the emphasis that they've really committed themselves to. But 
but I'll tell you, there's a necessary calibration, I think, for our coaching and a recalibration for our coaching to come in periodically and really critically help that team leader examine that list. I've mentioned this before, that list of things that they feel like they're reacting to versus those pro priorities that they feel like they're missing out on. And again, that can just be a simple line down a sheet of paper and just having them list out what are the things that are attacking the priorities of your day? Is it email? Is it reactive meetings? Is it a certain client? Is it um, certain administrative tasks and duties that, that um, you feel responsible to, but you know that priority-wise, they're probably not um, the number one thing that you ought to be paying attention to, and they are taking time away from your team. And as a contrast, right, what are those things that are at risk that you really ought to be paying attention to? Um, developmental reviews, conversations, feedback, recognition, all the things that are important but not necessarily urgent and and i think our coaching is so effective in that space where we can help that team leader see the contrast of, of risk and reward and just make really hard decisions in our coaching with them about shedding some of those things or repositioning partners or team members to pick up some of those pieces who have a talent and a gift to to really operate within that space um and then create that margin right and if we get that that cycle of proactive, positive team leadership going forward, it really propels itself um, uh, powerfully on through in terms of what our team wants us to do and prefer to have us do rather than some of these um, reactive responsibility driven um, pieces that really attack our our day and our priorities. My, I, I, I love that. It's super scalable. But I will tell you, as a review and recalibrate process, as a coach, you could almost just set that, I think, almost up as a six month cycle and review that list because I promise you there's scope creep in that process and that mindset of that um, team leader for what's invaded their their um, daily calendar from your previous conversation. Yeah. We, we do like that six month uh, repetition of the Q12. Yeah. And that is kind of our best practice. Uh, I think I mentioned before in times of stress or, you know, in, in 09, we did the Q12 four times that year yeah. um, just to kind of keep a tab on how people were feeling and what was going on. We, we administrated that ourselves. Uh, but six months, Steve, uh, to, I think is what yeah, uh, you yeah. said there, Mike. It's a good, we should be able to start seeing some progress. That would all depend on the function of a team that could be very dysfunctional. It could take more time. It could be less, yeah. right? It could be, it could, it could happen very fast. But uh, I do like that six month number. Mike, unfortunately, this goes super fast. I don't know why yeah. it does. Maybe it's because you're so good. But uh, yeah. we got you in the right place. Content, the right yeah. thing, by the way. Let's um let's 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 conclude it. Final thoughts, and then and then uh, remind us of those resources again. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I just thought I'd, I'd kind of close out with some. Here, here's the typical barriers or listen for is that you're going to hear from teams or individuals who are going to struggle with this particular item. And I and I want to get this in front of you so that you can coach right on through it. You can anticipate that these are some of the things that you might be hearing um, around this item and things that are getting in the way. So first and foremost, what you what you're probably going to hear is just change. Right? Um, there's been a lot of change, and it's shifting. Um, and it's shaking up how we do things. And I, I don't have that sense of predictability to know um, or identify where my best is. Um, and certainly the opportunity to do that every day has been disrupted, right? So um, how, do you, how do you really think through that and lead futuristically and proactively through change in anticipating um, that there's going to be a threat to what best and every day looks like? Uh, there's processes, right? There's a constant revisions around efficiencies and technology and, and ways that we do things. Um, and while on the surface, they really are efficient. Sometimes we have to rediscover our role within the delivery of those. And so as some of those processes become centralized, they may actually, um, automate some of the things that we enjoy doing manually. 
right? And so now how do we rediscover and redefine our role, um, but not compromise on what we do best every single day? And then there's always, like I mentioned this earlier with team leaders, but it really occupies and exists within every role. Uh, there's that scope creep around things that could categorically be considered non-essential or administrative tasks. And I think that's, you know, while I, we talked about that conversation with team leaders, it's equally as important to have with your um, team members, right? It's just asking them, so what just, what's getting in the way? What, when you think about where you have impact, what typically gets in the way of that? And then to the best of our abilities, how do we creatively remove that barrier or lower that barrier if we can? So um, quick scalable ways to, to get into that. And I, and I think, Jim, what I what I just like to, to bring the audience back around to is just more tools and resources, right? So um, we've got an engagement champions course that gets into the, the science and the art of delivering engagement, how you shape and, and drive a culture of engagement within a team and an organization. So I'd encourage all of you to think about um, in uh, your own involvement in that as you think about your coaching expertise. And Mike, those are okay for coaches, right? I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it's, 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 it, it is a, uh, a coaching course about coaching through a manager, coaching to a manager in a way that activates and unlocks uh, a culture of engagement around each of these 12 items. It gets into subject expertise, real mastery of the, the again, the research of, of engagement, but the application, more importantly, and, and consultative space that you can occupy in your coaching. Um, and there's, there's uh, we also have a, another um, learning series around just leading high-performing teams. So engagement champions is about your role as an engagement expert and a consultant involving yourself to drive engagement forward through a manager and to a manager for our organization. But getting inside this course, this leading high performing teams course really helps you firsthand experientially from that point of credibility, walk through strengths, strengths of team, strengths of the individual manager. How does that then leverage itself to drive engagement? Um, and in taking those two primary leading indicators of performance on into the delivery, the daily delivery of five performance conversations. I've talked about those in our re-engineering performance management paper, but how do you actually operationalize the power of strengths to performance, the power of engagement to performance in these necessary conversations that really develop performance and the person simultaneously um, in a best practice delivery. And let me just say, a great idea is to come and bring one of the senior leaders from the organization you're working yeah. with with you. Come yeah, in a pair. That's a great idea. It's a great way of accountability. You can hear from you can hear from them in real time. Mm -hmm. I just I can't I can't emphasize that enough. It's a great way to try and bring them from the the organization that that will be a benefit that will pay long dividends to the organization. So yeah. a great great way to do that. Jim, one more one more thing as I put a, a bow on the those courses, the resources from those courses, and I'm, I, I'm gonna come across sounding biased, but I've heard testimonies from coaches who have gone through that and the testimonies, I, I can think back to a testimony coming out of last year's Engagement Champions course that was held around the summit. And there were coaches who participated in that course and they walked out and they could, they literally said, I can't believe Gallup provided this much value. Um, they, they can't believe Gallup gave us this much um, materials, resources, because it's not, it's, it's an evergreen, um, amount of resources that are involved there. So it's not just an event driven, um, uh, experience where you show up at a class and then it's one and done the resources you take away in an ongoing community and involvement that you have around the application and the learning and growth around it, uh, is really never ending. So again, I encourage all of you to, uh, to investigate, explore it and involve yourself, uh, either in the engagement champions course or the leading high performing teams course.
we have kind of an engagement starter pack that's available too. If they, if so, you can't do that right now. We got a starter pack for you. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's in, and the starter pack is is profound in its own abilities. You can you can go uh, many many engagement miles with what's represented there. Uh, it contains that first break all the rules book. So you've got your your book. You can read that, consume that information, develop your own expertise. But then it's got the codes, right? It's got the Strengths Finder code. It's got the Q12 code. And I think as you're directly involving yourself or introducing yourself to uh, a small business owner or um, a team leader within a large organization, whatever scalability you want to contract or expand your audience to, it's such a great way for you as a coach to really get um, that key leader into the experience of consuming their strengths, applying their strengths in their own leadership, but then targeting it towards that leading indicator of performance, which we know is engagement, right? So you get that. Um, also, there's a, 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 a engage, creating an engaging workplace manager packet that's in there that really helps you think about how you educate and inform and coach a manager specifically through that lens of engagement that's really important to, to have in your possession. And there's really scalable real-time engagement discussion cards um, and question cards that that equip you to have great conversations with that team leader. But then there's a cascade where that manager that you're working with can use those cards and the content to have great conversations that really provoke the best of engagement within their team in all the ways that we've been discussing through this series. Good, good. Some good resources for you, whether you want to come and Get some training, and some of you could, and it's some DIY if you want to give it a try. Right. Uh, that is out there. It's available in our store, shop.gallop.com, and then just look for the Engagement Starter Pack. Mike, thanks again. Okay. It's always great to be with you. We'll take a little break. If you're listening on the live series, a little break because the Summit's coming up. By the way, breaking news, they just closed registration on the Summit. It is completely wow. full. So first time we have sold that out. Pretty exciting. 1,400 or so will be coming here July 16th, 17th, and 18th if you... This is after the fact. And to be honest, for most of you, this will be after you'll hear this after the summit. Um, we will do another one next year. So you might want to start thinking about budgeting for, planning for a great opportunity to come around for the Clifton Strength Summit. You can get more details on that, CliftonStrengthSummit.com. Remind everyone to take full advantage of all the resources we have available at the Gallup Strength Center. That's just GallupStrengthCenter.com. Don't forget, if you want more information on the Q12 product that's out there, uh, we have a whole site dedicated to that q12.gallup.com. Easy to get out there and get some information, some videos you can watch, some information. Great stuff that's out there as, as well. If you have some questions, send us an email, coaching at gallup.com. That, uh, that's really the best address, fastest address to get your questions in. And don't forget, we have a link to all our social resources and our newly designed, and it's kind of a little broken at the moment, coaches blog. Go out to coaching.gallup.com. If you're interested in any of these courses we talked about, they're available on our courses page, so just courses.gallup.com. You can kind of see right on our URLs, what if, you, if, you're, if you're trying to find something, it's just something.gallup.com, by the way. And although this is going to be the one exception, if you want to get signed up for all the future Q12 for Coaches sessions that are going to be available, and actually Mike and I have been brainstorming on some future mm -hmm. stuff. We're pretty excited about that. It's available for you on an Eventbrite page. Go to gallup.eventbrite.com. It's out there as well. Thanks for joining us today. If you want to continue in the conversation, you can jump over to Facebook, facebook.com slash group slash call to coach. We'll get you there as well. We'll see you in two weeks if you're listening live with the next one. I think it's two. could be three. With that, we'll say goodbye, everybody. 
I guess I should know when that is, Mike. By the way, you know what? Before I was thinking about the same it. thing. Where I was like, "Why am uh, I not just looking at it?" It's it's. Uh, we are on the week after the summit. Okay. Good. Yeah. So just one week break. Hey, if you joined us live, thanks for putting up with the crapola of getting this on. <laughs> Sorry about that. We'll fix our that's live a, page. That's a technical term. Crapola. It is. I did. I was on a podcast last night. And I said you can't polish a turd. So. <laughs> That, uh, sorry. We'll see you guys next week.